This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Faye Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. First offense. All of the mix. Okay, party people in the house. You're about to witness something you've never witnessed before. Yeah. Hustle in the house. Yeah. Hustle in the house. Hey everybody, what's going on? I'm Rob Fay. As you know, this is Sports Bar Radio, and today is Remembrance Day. So before we get into everything that we usually do, and today's going to be a little bit different anyway, but before we get into any of that, I just want to say to anybody that has served our country, to any of our armed forces, I just want to personally say thank you. I am very fortunate to live in a country where I can do what I want, however I want, because of your sacrifices. We bitch and moan a lot about all the things that our government does and doesn't do, but I just know that I can breathe easy, not just because those from the past who sacrificed their lives for us have provided me with this freedom, but even those who serve today. So Remembrance Day isn't about just those who have fallen. It is about those who continue to serve. Again, I just want to say on behalf of my wife and my two children and my entire family, to those who serve, I say thank you today and every day of the calendar year. All right, so I mentioned that this show is going to be a little bit different. Usually what happens is we'll have the lead where I talk for a couple of minutes about one specific story, and then I just lead up against the wall and let you know what happened in the world of sports. And by the time half an hour's come and gone, you should be pretty up to date with what's going on in the world of sports. But today, with it being Remembrance Day, uh, I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit, and I hope that you're cool with this, because there were a couple of things that I just really wanted to not necessarily get off my chest, but just bring to the light and have a conversation with you about. And that is one of the cool things about Sports Bar Radio, is you never know when you log on or you never know when you subscribe what each show is going to be. They can all be completely different. Today, I just want to bring a few things to your attention. So a couple of nights ago here in Vancouver on sports radio at Sportsnet 650, a couple of guys who uh, I know, Satyar Shah, who I know well, and Bik Nazar, who I've seen in passing, were hosting a Vancouver Canuck postgame show. And as a guy that has worked in late night sports radio, as a guy that has done a Canuck postgame show, and as a guy that has worked in this industry for more than 20 years, I understand probably more than many what it is like to turn on your microphone and what it is like to open up the phone lines and what it is like to get listener and viewer feedback. I'm actually one of the few people that I feel justified in having this conversation with because I've been there at least sitting in the chair talking about sports radio in the evening. But what I've been very fortunate, and it's almost an embarrassment of riches here, is I've never been called out for my race. It's just not something that has ever come to the forefront of the conversation. I've been called every name in the book, but I have never been called out for the race that I am. Now, I am Caucasian. I am Canadian-born. My lineage goes back to Scotland, to England, to France, to Ireland. I am pretty much one of those kids. But I walk around with my blue eyes and my white skin, and I don't worry about it. And I'm not saying that it's never crossed my mind that when I go into certain countries and certain cities that perhaps I am the outlier. But at the same time here at, quote, home, I've never really had to worry about this. But what really frustrates me is when I hear that racism is still prevalent within the community and the sports community. What happened to them a couple of nights ago was irresponsible and it was racist. Imagine hosting a Vancouver Canuck postgame show, going to the phone, saying, all right, caller, line three, you're on, what do you got to say? Only to have somebody belt out some high-pitched scream insinuating a profile of those from the Middle East. Imagine getting a text in your inbox, which is where everybody can text message you, 
that says, quote, enjoy your Surrey audience, making reference to the fact that there's potentially a higher Punjabi and East Indian audience in Surrey. Listen, I know that nobody is perfect, and I can assure you I have been guilty of profiling, that sometimes when I'm driving, I will, if somebody cuts me off, pull up beside them, look into the driver's seat, and see who's there. And yes, I hate to say it, there are times where I profile, and that is wrong, and I am guilty of it. But I tell you that so that you don't think that I come here with white gloves on. And the thing that frustrates me is the fact that there are my friends out there that still have to deal with this. Full disclosure, my best friend is East Indian, my wife is Filipina, and my daughter is half Taiwanese. I am essentially the only quote-unquote white person in my house, and it doesn't even cross my mind that that's the case. Now, maybe it's because I've been surrounded by ethnicities that it doesn't even register with me that this is an issue. But I will say this, when I see something like this come to the forefront, it really does stick in my craw. Because we have the opportunity to be better than that. But here's something that I want to focus on here. And it is perhaps the silver lining in a cloud that I think we're focusing on right now. So Santiar and Bic come forward and say, listen, this is what happened, and we all sit there with outrage. We all tweet and shake our fists at the sky and say how bad it is, and, you know, guys, we got your back. And that's great. That's fine and dandy. But to me, the silver lining in this is that at least they had the forum to bring this to the light. Work with me for a sec here. It used to be a very, very white-dominated business. Broadcasting in Canada was very heavy Anglo, and you didn't often see anybody other than a white person on your television screen. So the fact that we can go here in 2021, turn on our television, we can see Korean, Japanese, Taiwanese, Chinese. We can see people from the Middle East. We can see people globally. One of the best radio broadcasters in Canada, Drex, he's Australian. So I sit here and I say to myself, you know what? Yeah, what an idiot for calling in. But it actually reminded me how fortunate we are that our media today is diversifying. And these amazing individuals now have a forum to bring that to the light because they used to experience the racism, but nobody would speak out on it. And so they'd have to live in silence because they didn't have the platform to go to the masses and say, hey, by the way, this is still a problem. So I look right now at our media in Vancouver. It's impressive. And to the old white regime that sometimes sits back and says, oh, well, we're giving too many of these jobs away. You know what? I got to be honest with you. I love that when I turn on my radio stations and my TV stations that I can see diversity. I can see people that represent the Punjab community. I can see people that represent the Asian community. Women, lesbians, gays, trans. Because everybody needs a voice. And you may not think that it matters. You may think that it should always go, quote, to the best person available for the job. But I will tell you this. Imagine putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Actually, you know what? Let me tell you a story here real quick. So I married into a family of amazing people. I have said this, and you've probably even heard me say this if you listen to the show repeatedly. I won the lottery when it came to my in-laws. They are two of the nicest people that I've ever met. My wife's brother's fantastic. His wife is unbelievable. It is a community and a family that I am absolutely uh, overwhelmed to even be a part of. But I know, it's a Filipino family, that some of those amazing people that make up that family have come over to Canada and taken lesser jobs than they're qualified for. 
And yes, when you go into a new country and you start over and sometimes your credits don't transfer over or sometimes your job qualifications don't necessarily meet Canada's job qualifications, that sometimes, yeah, you do got to take a step back. But I can't imagine what it would be like for me and everything that I have achieved here in Vancouver to suddenly go to the other side of the world and pick up a broom or a dustpan or to do some heavy labor or to do something that is far, quote unquote, below my qualifications but I do it because I've got a family. I do it because that's what it is. And then on top of that, to be treated like shit because of the color of my skin. So now let's bring it back to our city, to our home, quote unquote, where all of a sudden you've got families throughout Surrey, throughout Richmond, throughout North Vancouver. You know what I'm saying? The entire lower mainland. It's diverse. It's a melting pot, but it's a melting pot of opportunity, isn't it? And wouldn't it be amazing if you... Again, overseas, on the other side of the world, fighting the good fight, all of a sudden turned on your TV or clicked on the radio, and it was a familiar voice, a familiar look, something that resonated with you. You would obviously, you would obviously feel included. You would obviously feel that you weren't alone. Now, you probably think that I'm laid it on thick, but it's not. Some of us, some of our generation were born and raised here, but our parents had to come from overseas to provide the, quote, better life. This is a big deal when a family, let me use an example. It's probably a family-building moment when you can turn on CBC as a Punjab and see Hockey Night in Punjabi. Like, imagine that. Being able to watch our game in a language that you understand so that you are further included in that product. That's why inclusion matters. That's why diversity in the media matters, because you are trying to make sure that when you're getting your message out, that you connect with everybody. You got to know that that's why they do this. They don't do it just so that they can click boxes and move forward and so that they don't have these groups call them out for the things that they're not. A good program director will go out and try to fill those voids to make sure. You know what one of the biggest knocks about TSN 1040 was? was that it was just a bunch of middle-aged white guys. And sure, if you're driving around and you're a middle-aged white guy, you've got that connection. But there was also a portion of the audience that did notice that, that did notice there was very little diversity. And you know, when Sportsnet 650 started, they understood the lay of the land in this city. And they went out and they did things a little different. They went a little younger. They provided opportunities for ethnicities that maybe didn't get front-facing jobs. This comes back to the opportunity. This comes back to having the chance to have that voice. So imagine finally breaking through all of those glass ceilings, finally getting to where you need to be, and then you flick on the collars and somebody drops a racial bomb on you. I hate to say it, but I understand that there's a silver lining to this. Yeah, it probably made Bick and Sat feel pretty shitty for a couple of moments. But once they tweeted it out and they saw the avalanche of support, it probably made them realize that A, they're not alone, B, they weren't wrong, and C, the person that did it showed his ass pretty poorly. The times aren't changing. The times have already changed. And the problem is, is we've still got this residue left over of the last of a generation that doesn't get it. And even though we do have some that hang on to these pure blood theories and beliefs, that thought process is receding dramatically. And it's unfortunate that every once in a while, we have to even have that reminder because two guys had to take it on the chin doing a Canuck postgame show.
All right, let's move on to different things. Uh, I don't have a mailbag per se, but if you ever want to interact with this show, hit me up on Twitter at Rob Fay, which is R O B F is in Frank A I, and I'm pretty good at responding to most everything that I do get. All right, let's talk about the Canadian Football League and the BC Lions. It is the third straight week where the Lions, if they lose, if they are gracious losers, will allow the opposition into the postseason. A couple of weeks ago, Toronto punched their ticket to the playoffs. The next week, BC loses and Hamilton gets in and now getting ready to take on the Calgary Stampeders, who, if they beat the Lions, also get in. And I took a little bit of flack for how critical I was of the BC Lions, who come into this game against Calgary with a record of 4-8, and with seven straight losses, and right now have to pretty much run the table if they want to get into the postseason. I was just saying that I thought this was a lost opportunity for the BC Lions at a market right now where their teams are starting to stand up straight and thrive. Now, I also got called on the carpet because I said that Mike Riley looked a little bit disinterested. And you know what? I'm not going to say that I stand corrected, but I will put the stats forward that uh, allow me to say, yeah, you might have a point. Mike Riley is second in the CFL in passing with 2,943 yards. He's completing over 67% of his passes. He's got 11 touchdowns and 8 interceptions. And my question initially was, well, how can you have such great numbers and yet your team has lost 7 in a row and maybe this isn't on Mike Riley. So again, not a full apology, but maybe I should trade the word disinterested for frustrated. He's got an offensive line that is absolutely brutal. And right now the defense, although they've had great flashes, over the course of the season, has not been able to hold up their end of the bargain. So, BC Lions right now on the verge of missing the playoffs. Not only would Calgary get in, but BC essentially would be ousted from the CFL postseason. These two teams met back in August. BC won that meeting 15-9. And the Stamps, who are coming off a bye week, are 14-2 the week after the bye. Doesn't look good for BC, does it? But you never know. All right, let's slide over to baseball. Marcus Stroman is one of the free agents out there who took a qualifying offer last year and pretty much was betting on himself. But one of the things that you'll know, if you know Marcus Stroman, is that betting on himself is not an issue. Last year, he took the qualifying offer of just over $18 million in hopes that he could hit the big times. And he put up a pretty good year last year for the Mets and is looking at somewhere in the $20 million per year range, which some teams in certain years would have no problem paying, but in this year with a pending work stoppage, yes, Major League Baseball and the Players Association do have a lot of work to do to avoid a stoppage. Uh, Certain organizations may step back from a long-term deal and uh, do one in two years until they can see what the lay of the land is, or they'll just hold back until they know whether or not they're going to be playing this season. So guys like Marcus Stroman and a handful of others, I think guys like Max Serger will sign. I think anytime you get a generational player, uh, you're willing to take the risk, even if you have to eat it for a year. The guys like Marcus Stroman may have to sit there and wait for a bit, but Show did something the other day on social media that I kind of raised my eyebrows at. Now, I've been a big fan of Marcus Stroman, maybe more than I should be. I know there's certain guys that call me to the carpet when I do support Marcus Stroman, but I just like guys that, again, to use the phrase twice, bet on themselves. Here's the challenge that I face with Marcus Stroman, though. When he comes out to the forefront, and I mean that by saying he went on social media and says, I am the most durable pitcher in baseball, here's my analytic, Here's my statistic. Here's everything to back that up. I don't know if he should be the guy banging that drum. 
Because, again, I understand that there's certain organizations that might think that's cool. But players around baseball, who, again, I know Marcus Stroma doesn't give a shit about. But I just think that there's certain players, even teammates, are going to be like, oh, God, here's this guy. The rumor in Toronto was that he wasn't a very liked guy within the clubhouse. That he had two or three friends and the others would just tolerate him because his aura, his presence, his positivity, and his negativity was just a lot to process, a lot to absorb. And when you're with these players for seven to eight months a year, it can grind certain people down. And I think this actually ended up happening with some of the staff as well, not just the players, but the organization as a whole. Marcus Stroman is an acquired taste. Yes, the ability is all over the place, but the Stroh Show does come with a little bit of a bravado that not every player in baseball gets down with. So we shall see. If I was taking a look at Marcus Stroman, I would pick him up. I think he's a big game pitcher. I think that if he can stay focused for the entire year, that he is a guy that's going to pick up 12, 14, 16 wins. Do I put him in the 20 range? I've not seen it yet, so I can't say. But I can't say he is durable. I can't say that he does throw strikes. And uh, I don't know. I just think if I'm trying to win, Marcus Stroman doesn't hurt my causes in trying to do that. So very quickly, what do you do if you're the Toronto Blue Jays? I mentioned this just the other day. You got Robbie Ray, you got Marcus Semyon, you got a couple of these guys who you know you want to bring back. Steven Matz is now on the washing machine. But the reason that I think the Blue Jays might be hampered, and I, I tweeted this out the other day and somebody said, don't worry, they're owned by Rogers. But let's not forget, Rogers isn't huge on paying, quote, luxury taxes. And if that's going to be something that moves forward in this next collective bargaining agreement, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to take care of Semyon, if they're going to be able to take care of Ray, and then on the horizon, Vladdy and Bo. You can't take that thought process out of the equation. Now, some baseball insiders will say, dude, don't worry about it. He doesn't become a UFA, speaking about Vladdy, until 2026. But he's got RB years coming up, and I got to think that those numbers are going to start to climb. And if you're smart, you don't let him get to free agency. You lock him up in either, what, 2024 or 2025. So in other words, you've got, what, two years to try and figure out what you're going to do with what could be one of the biggest contracts in sports history, much less Toronto Blue Jays history. Because again, it, let's say hypothetically Vladdy wins, if not this year, in the next three years, he wins a slungy title, a most valuable player, and again, he's in his mid-20s. That's a three to $400 million player on today's market. Like, if he is, as we all think he's going to be, a generational talent, I mean, look at Fernando Tatis down in San Diego. Look at the epic contracts that are going out. And you don't think Vladdy's going to want to top that? You don't think Vladdy in Toronto is going to want to become that highest paid player? So this is why when you're looking at players who, like Marcus Semien and Robbie Ray, are going to want term in addition to dollars, you have to make sure that that term doesn't overlap that embarrassment of money that's going to be coming to Bowen Vladdy. So, for example, let's say Marcus Semyon wants a five-year deal, and he wants, oh, I don't know, five years, $110 million. Let's just say let's prorate it at 20 to $22 million a year. Some of that is going to bleed into 2024 and 2025, and dare we say 2026. That is where you have to figure out where the water meets the road, because for me... I got to think that you can't have any contracts that lean into those years because those years with Bo and Vladimir are going to be gigantic if you want to keep them. If you want to keep them. Personally, I think one of the things that's going to be a sticking point when it comes to this new CBA is the fact that it takes so long for certain players to be able to get their money. 
Uh, I got to think that maybe Boba Shed is a prime example of that. But uh, again, we'll save that for a rainy day. And finally, very quickly, Canuck fans, uh, yeah, getting ready to take on the Colorado Avalanche. A couple of games on the road, which I think will suit Vancouver well, considering how tough that homestand was. Uh, Vancouver coming into this game 5-6-2 and two against an underachieving Colorado Avalanche team as well. Colorado coming off of back-to-back losses to the Blue Jackets, where, of course, Vancouver lost 3-2 in overtime to Anaheim back on Tuesday night. As good as, and by the way, as good as Colorado's been, and we're going to have to stretch this one back a little bit because obviously last year they only played Canadian teams, but Vancouver in their past 10 against Colorado, what do you think their record is against the Avalanche in their past 10? Vancouver is 6-1-3 in their past 10 games against Colorado. I wouldn't have had that if you had asked me off the top of my head. But anyways... Over-under on this game is 5.5 right now. A lot of people think of this as going to be the over for sure. Actually, 98% of the money on this one tonight uh, is taking the over between Colorado and Vancouver. That game set for 6 o'clock here in the Pacific. All right, let's wrap up this abbreviated version of Sports Bar Radio. Happy Remembrance Day to all of you. And as they say, lest we forget, let us never forget our soldiers and our military and their families It is the families who also send their heart overseas with those young men and women. Just one of those days where I'm very appreciative and very aware of who is helping me live that life. Until we do this again, my thanks to everybody over at Equity Guru. My thanks to Chris Perry, to Galen, Asan, and of course the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. I'm Rob Faye. Let's do this again one more time tomorrow. You've been listening to Sports Bar Radio. As always, brought to you by Equity Guru. Have yourself a fantastic day.